You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Oh. This is what happens when you leave me out of Now, I want to apologize first to anybody that had to sit through my ramblings as I was left alone in here. <laughs> All of us apologize. Uh, no, I, I don't apologize. We make Paul do it every week while we finish up and go have a cigarette. So Yeah, but that's different. That's Paul. <laughs> wow. People love wow. Paul. Wow. The people love Paul. Okay. I'm not so sure about that one. Um, Fado, can we get a uh, fact check on that? Anyways. Love Paul. Welcome to the 3DMs podcast, everybody. We're on episode 31. I'm Jake, joined by these two goons, Nacho and Paul, as per usual. Um, sorry, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, between GenCon happening and Nacho's truck dying. We, it is D-E-D dead. Yeah, we don't have, uh, <laughs> we don't have, uh, Sarah McLaughlin ready to play, but, uh, no, no. Last time you did that, I almost cried. <laughs> And then I almost had to uh, beat our coworker up and steal his car because he kept singing it. Uh, can, can, can we move on a little bit here? Uh, no, it was it was a pretty traumatic event. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, we're back uh, after some finagling and getting another vehicle to make our trek all the way out here to the studios at Podcast Detroit. And let's just let's dive into our show because we got. A lot of stuff to actually cover. Uh, so, first of all, Paul, you are our eyes and ears on the ground at GenCon and couldn't find any of the official booths because your schedule is already pretty packed with vacation stuff. Yes. Well, so. I, I saw a lot of booths, but the Wizards of the Coast booth was hid somewhere. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Hasbro had a booth. I saw some people walk around with Magic the Gathering t-shirts, but I – that place is the size of an airplane hangar. Uh, it's packed with 8 million people. I could not find the official Dungeons and Dragons merchandise anywhere. Maybe it was in Lehman's tiny hut. <laughs> Damn, you got me there. They got a Mordenkind's magnificent mansion somewhere in the back. Maybe it's possible. Maybe. It is possible. Well, in GenCon news, apparently Richard Garfield's making another card game. Uh, Infinity came out with another army for their war game. Uh, Warhammer is also coming out with a card game. One of their mothers seems to be doing that nowadays. Again. Again. But it costs so much money. It's digital though. Oh. But the digital cards I feel like are going to be like 10 bucks a pack. Yeah. Well. Because Games Workshop is about their paper. Yes. You want more lore? You like how everything in the grim dark 41st millennium is uh, actually starting to look up just a little bit? No. We're going to reset everything and make it dark again. They did that. Or will they? All hail no, the they, they did that. That was with the 8th edition. Hmm. No, I thought that was uh, everything was looking brighter. 
But whatever. We're not a 40K show. <laughs> we're a D&D uh, show. I did not get that much information on Dungeons and Dragons. Pathfinder is getting a second edition. Uh, may a curse be upon the designer's houses. Uh, a plague upon both your houses. <laughs> frankly, I don't have much nice to say about that, so I'm going to end my statement on that now. Power positivity, Paul. Yep. Love it. Got to keep it up. Uh, did you see anything, anything particularly noteworthy again, Con? Just something really cool, because still, me and Nacho really wanted to go, but... Well, there was we that buy. tower of cards that people built out of old cards and trading card games. Uh, it looks like Legends of the Five Rings is finally getting its new role-playing game edition. Oh. Uh, Battletech is getting another box set re- released, finally. There we go. After 12 years. Uh, what else? Any slamming cosplay? Unfortunately not. I saw almost no good cosplay this year, which is kind of a shame. Oh. What did you cosplay as? Myself. <laughs> Average D&D player? Yeah. Look at me with the beard. The glasses and the, the fat. And the fat. Delicious fat. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you need glasses considering you're the only one at this table with glasses. I legally need them. I don't wear them because I don't want to look like a dork. <laughs> wow, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> anyway, the long and short of it is I spent most of it just hanging out with my father and bonding, but that's not exactly conducive to uh, fantastic stories of Gen Con. So well, I got nothing useful for you guys. So. Well, damn, that blows. Well, well we know there's a, a digital just... Warhammer uh, card game, so we got that. Yeah, there you go. Yep, nope. Can, can go waste money on that. <laughs> or not. I would recommend not, but. but. No, I, I will waste my money on non-tangible <laughs> cards. Game, game, Games Workshop. Take my money. Um, moving on. So uh, a couple of weeks ago before uh, vehicles started blowing up and people were getting sick at the Gen Con and really just all the other stuff that has happened to us, um, we had a, uh, a listener message us and request a specific show topic. And we're like, actually, we haven't talked about that. So we're going to do that today. And that is introducing new players to the great and glorious game of Dungeons and Dragons. I should leave this off by saying that if you're introducing somebody to role playing games as a whole, there are better <coughs> there are better options than fifth edition D and D. D and D is fifth edition is definitely the best option of the D and Ds, but I'd recommend something like Fate or Dungeon World first. Why would you recommend Fate or Dungeon World? I can see the appeal for Dungeon World. Fate seems about the same level of complication as Five E, which is uh, severely. No, fate is a lot less complicated overall. There's a lot less things to manage. There's less dice types to manage. There's a lot less edge cases to manage. There isn't a huge list of spells in the back of the book. There isn't a huge list of saves and of – well, there are proficiencies in fate as well. And most stunts are pretty simple by comparison to most class abilities. So there's just a lot less to do and basically fate is mostly a game of describing your actions and seeing if one of your keywords can apply to it. So D&D is better. (laughs) That's certainly one way to look at it. Thanks for being mired in the past is another way. Thanks for being uh, the Homer Nacho. Um, That said, fifth edition is definitely the best of the D and D to introduce them to, and I'm a huge fan of fifth edition. So, talking about this in the car, figuring out like you know how really you know because a lot of us you know Nacho, you're the newest here to DMing, but Paul and I, we definitely can kind of look at the amount of people we've taught to play D and D and actually blush a little bit like i started doing the counting and i've actually introduced probably about 
just in various one shots and you know online like hey i'll teach some new players how to play um i've probably taught over about a hundred different people how to play the game <laughs> well, i haven't taught that many but it's more like 40 i'm not so. sure how many i taught i generally taught from the uh player's standpoint and kind of coaching them through different things yeah no you're good you're a good offensive coordinator nacho so I, I, I do i should also point out that a lot of people are D&D is that it's most popular as it's ever been right now, in part due to the popularity of stuff like the Adventure Zone and uh, not Matt, is it Matthew Colville's uh, podcast Critical name? Role. Critical Role. That's it. And Harmon Quest. Yep. And Harmon Quest. And I mean, actually, it's getting to the point where there's so many. You know, you can't quality that I can't name them off the top of my head. There, I mean, there's just so many. Yeah, that you, it's. It's getting hard to – Yeah, and then <laughs> the space is getting pretty crowded out yeah, and there. And then you even had Stranger Things getting people interested. Yeah. Yeah. And being a nerd is finally socially acceptable. So – For the moment. Yeah. Well, eh, eh. It they're seems – They're it not seems, taking our lunch money right now. Yeah. We'll give it another five years. We'll rotate back. Yep. But – So it seems like there's going to be a lot more people now int- interested in getting into this hobby than there have been in the past. So this is, I think, a very topical question. Yeah. And so let's start with the very beginnings. Uh, you are approached by one of your friends. Uh, you're sitting there eating lunch or maybe you get a text message and your friend approaches you and says, hey, buddy, buddy, guy, friend. Heard I, you run some D&D games. Would, uh, can I get in on some of that action? Can I uh, get me a slice of that pie, so to speak? No one talks like that, but we're, we're being – this one person does. For, um, Your friend is a 1920s mobster. I hate yes. to tell you. Yeah. No. It's a shame. Is yeah. Pick up a hot and ready. Meet us at this house at this time. Yeah. So you make the arrangements. Just make um, sure they're carrying a violin case with them. You may. <laughs> no one brings roses to a gunfight. Um, so you make your arrangements. They come over and they're a brand new player. Um, so let's just address a couple of like factors that can change a lot of things but there's you know we're not going to touch on them too much because it's too wild cardy um it depends on uh one of them for example is how many players at your table are experienced is this a lamb walking into a den of wolves um is everybody here pretty new to the game in general i'd recommend uh getting a bunch of new players together or at least having maybe one or two experienced players to sort of shepherd them if they do something stupid yeah but you can't these are things that you have like very little control over. Yes. So um, you, this you is going to be more of an in general. You don't have a roster of a hundred players to pick from usually. Yeah. Um, this is going to be more of an in general. Like how do you particularly help this one new player? Um, and stealing from Magic the Gathering, uh, we have decided to label the three basic types of new players. I mean, everybody's a little different. Archetypes, subclasses, if you will. Yeah. Um, Everybody's a little different in the way they approach, but and this these is are, very general advice. Yeah, this so. is very general. We're, but this is how we are going to be referring to these people um, with these terms uh, for the majority of the episode, and that is with stolen from Magic: The Gathering these player profiles. We've got Timmy, Slash. Jenny, yeah, and Spike. So, Timmy, break it down for us. So Timmy is there as a social experience. Ultimately, the rest of the game doesn't really matter as much as it is having fun with your friends. They sort of exemplify the credo that a Dungeons & Dragons game is like a road trip. The car is not what matters. The people you're road tripping with is what matters. And that's adorable. So at the end of the day, the Timmy or the Tammy, if they're female obviously, uh, is – most interested in hanging out with their friends and having a good time. 
They're not particularly interested necessarily in the mechanics. Perhaps they were introduced by the Adventure Zone or another of the podcasts we uh, listed where the basically wacky shenanigans are what keeps them. Yes. Although invested. I will say um, just as a quick aside, um, I've had people who have approached me and wanted to learn how to play coming from Critical Role. And typically they have a much better grasp on the rules. And as much as I love the McElroy brothers um, who hosts the Adventure Zone, which is actually my favorite live play podcast, I'm going to say that all right now. Um, and even though they comment several times that, uh, you know, the Internet tells us we're playing D&D wrong, they do. The three players absolutely do. <laughs> They're really bad at it. I love them to death and I love the show, but damn. Am I glad they're playing Monster of the Week now? Because every now and again, just some something would happen. Like I remember I was at the gym once, and I can't even remember exactly. Like Somebody cast a spell that wasn't even on their spell list, and I literally stopped what I was lifting and said out loud, you can't do that. <laughs> I bet that got you some looks. Uh, yeah, no, the lady on the treadmill turned around, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Um So Throw the getting that out you of the way. You can't do it, damn it. <laughs> uh <laughs> Your form is all wrong. Look at, yeah, looking like I'm having a mental breakdown in the gym because I'm listening to a D&D podcast. Um, anyways, so <laughs> I've had people who listen to that show and then they start playing and they're a lot looser with the rules. Uh, so it does kind of, you know, depend on where people hear that they're coming from. But And again, I recommend Fate for those players. But. Yes. But back to the main primary, you know, issue here. Uh, Timmy's are just the players who want to have fun. Yes. They're, you know, They're here to have a good time with their friends. Yes. Johnny slash Jenny. Jenny is there to do something bizarre is a, a, a way that would put it in magic terms is they want to do something ridiculous. In the player archetypes that we're focusing here for the new player archetypes, Jenny is the person who gets super invested in the game and is trying to pull off something strange. Not necessarily the most optimal thing, but they've got a character in mind that they really want to play. They've read the rules. They're very passionate about learning this new game um, where a lot of Timmy players will just be like, yeah, just walk me through it. And which tell me exactly what I need to know. And that's all I'm going to remember. Yep. Um, a Jenny slash Johnny is going to be the person who like either they will borrow a player's handbook or they will go out and buy one shortly after they start playing. They're the player who gets really into D and D really quick. Once they kind of realize what like they can do, which is everything. And it's all about, you know, for them, it's this new creative energy and excitement that they can go through. Um, and usually they're the player who ends up becoming a DM one day. Yeah, because they've got so much creative spirit that they're trying to express. Did we get a comment just now? Or? <laughs> yes, my foreman. <laughs> what, what? Hi, John. <laughs> What's John saying now? Uh, is D&D like playing craps with dice? I need to roll a 7 or 11 until I get a point. <laughs> yes, John. Yes, John. Uh, <laughs> you're not actually entirely wrong. But <laughs> uh, anyway. And no, John, you don't need a card for that. <laughs> uh, anyways, out of the last player type. Uh, there's Spike. Spike doesn't need a male or female name. Spike yeah. simply is. Yeah, Spike simply exists. Um, Spike is the very hostile player uh, in in this sense that we're using. Uh, Spike is the player who shows up and wants to win, win, be better than everybody. Um, you know, they 
have an idea for a character and whereas the Johnny or the Jenny, their character might be, you know, kind of pushing their way to the front of the crowd. Because uh, they've got so much they want to say. Yeah. Spike's character usually just uh, shoves everybody aside and says, don't worry, guys. It's all about me. I've got every skill we could possibly need for this. Sometimes they end up like Mario and completely outshine the rest of the party. Yeah. Or they're like Toad and they keep shouting, I'm the best. And... (laughs) Just get and destroyed. One day you believe it. So let's like from the very top. So you got these players. Um, the first thing, obviously, they have to do is they have to get a class. Um, or well, there's races too, but we'll get to that in a moment. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to less important as yeah. far as character defining. Um, I feel the races are more based on how you yeah, you know, it, class. it's you know, and it's it's an optimization thing too with the race. Like if you want, you know, to be optimal, you can you pick very human. Yeah, you pick very inhuman or you pick half elf and you know you, you move on. Very inhuman. Yeah. <laughs> Feats are good. Half elf ain't half elf ain't bad either though. That's a good number too. Um But then, you know, if if they want to play Dragonborn, let them play Dragonborn. If they want to play, you know, we're not even gonna go into the optimization of races. Um but we are gonna go into class mechanics because for certain new players. Some classes are more complicated than other classes, and that's probably the least controversial thing I've ever said. Yeah, that is that, a that's actually groundbreaking. Yeah, that is an ice cold, cold brew of a statement. <laughs> um that is not a hot take. It's the opposite of a hot take. So the problem is that new players in general are not going to be down with the metaphorical sickness. They're going to want to <laughs> They're going to want to pick something off the list, but your goal is you don't want them to get overwhelmed with options and choices because that's a good way to make somebody less interested and have less fun. Uh, I personally usually when I have a brand new player and they already don't know what they want to play because usually a Johnny or a Spike, they will know damn well what they want to play. Johnny because they've got a character in mind and Spike because they read an online guide about how to break the game. Yes. Um, so those two will be ready to rock. So this – Pertains mostly to a Timmy who's like, oh, what the hell even is a and I want to play it, but I don't understand it. Um, and so my advice for like the guy who doesn't even know what they want, the guy or girl who does not know what they want to play is just say, you know, ask a very simple questionnaire. Um, you know, what do you envision your character doing? Do they fight with swords, uh, you know, face to face? Do they sneak around a lot? You know, just use the very general terms. You know, do they cast magic? Um Another thing worth noting is that some people may not be familiar with character creation in a sense at all. Yeah. Some people have not may not have played games or pretend or like that where they did not pretend to be another person. You may have to walk them through that. Yes. Um, what I've done to help players was I've stolen from uh, Elder Scrolls Morrowind and Oblivion. If you don't – if you don't pick your own uh, skills by yourself – they have that questionnaire and you're just asking random stuff that they don't think actually applies to it. And it's like, no, this is what you want. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, trying to try to shape. There's a bunch of like those good online flowcharts too. Um, but just try to shape questions to direct players, you know, towards what sounds like the best. Like the second they say they want to cast magic. Well, you know how what you can suddenly of- cut off fighters, barbarians and most of rogues. Yeah. So. You know, and you – have to gently lead them to the path of where they want. Um, again, never overload them with information because for a very social player, the second, you know. They have to start making compare and contrast choices. They're yeah, going to the second they have to do homework is when interest. it becomes difficult for some of them. At the end of the day, you're trying to have fun. Yes. 
Um, and that brings us to the point of the safest classes for a Timmy. Um, now, a Timmy, at the same time, if they want to play something. Don't just deny them. Yeah, don't tell them that it's going to be too hard for them because that's a good way to piss somebody off. Uh, don't tell them that, you know, it, you know, it's not going to be easy and, you know, just be like, okay, you know, talk them through it and just, you know, kind of let them know what they're getting in for. But we do have a list of the easiest. If you're going to recommend a class to them. Yes. Um, the easy and they're all martial classes except for the monk. The monk isn't on here. Um, that's going to be fighter, rogue, ranger, uh, Paladin and Barbarian. All of them are completely uncontroversial. Classes. Yeah. Nope. Um, here's why they all offer very simple, straightforward mechanics. Um, the Paladin can get a little crunchy. If you're going for the optimal routes, a little crunchy, but that's um, if you want to, uh, if they want to play a spellcaster, that's the easiest spellcaster. Yeah. Them and Ranger. Cause Ranger also gets some spells. It's good to teach players who are pretty new to the game, how to use, yeah, uh, spellcasters with those because Vanakin uh, magic is a bit unintuitive to people at first. Yeah, so and uh, the idea of you know because I've seen this happen to a hundred brand new wizards is you know like level one. I have to fine. choose out of sixteen different spells. I get to choose one. Yeah, they yeah they. It's see, not listed which ones that, what their descriptions are. Not even a brief description. Yeah, there's just a big old fat list of and we're forgetting cantrips too yeah yeah your big old fat list of cantrips and you got your fat list of level one spells and then they level up again and then guess what <laughs> they get to look at another fat list of spells with no description with list no description list and they have to dig all the way through the book i i hope that's a change that's made of sixth edition is they give a very brief description with each spell i know it's a tremendous amount of work but it would make spell selection so much easier for new players yeah i would agree with that that is again at one point there's going to be a hot take somewhere in here, or, I hope. or even just putting a little marker like damage uh, just crowd like, control yeah put the keywords on it or something yeah I feel like maybe they would have done Utility. that if people hadn't just like uh, tried to burn 4th edition back into the crater from which it spawned which is a shame <sighs> rest oh, in peace 4th edition rest in peace in the eye of an angel. I've heard this song way too much between today and Friday when I found out my truck was dead. All right, I'm regardless. Uh, movie God. Cry. Um, I'm going to cry. So when it comes to class choice for the Johnny. Um, Johnny probably already – Johnny or Jenny. Jenny or Johnny, I should say, probably already has an idea of what they want to do in mind. Yeah. So you just need to ask them what they would like to do and then suggest good classes for that kind of character concept. Yeah. Suggest good classes. And I find the biggest problem, uh, this, this can happen to any new player, but, um, Johnny's are the ones who are guilty of it the most. They're the ones with the most excessive backstories. Yeah. They're the player who shows up with like four written pages. And it's like, so you're level one and you've done all this stuff already. And, uh, your father was killed by a dragon. And then you went there, but you killed the dragon. But then the dragon's son came and killed your wife five years later. And then you went and killed that dragon. But that dragon already had another baby, and so that dragon killed your son. And, and you're and level so one. So the long and day you goes to godhood. And yeah, and so you're level one now. Um, you know they. <laughs> it's an oversimplification, but they, you know, they will have these excessive backstories, and that can, you know, sometimes be. A little overwhelming, and so you know. I should note a certain level of backstory is certainly good. I like oh, yeah. writing up, 
you know, a couple pages of backstory, but that's mostly fluff information yes. for stuff and around the character. As, as we're going to say about the Johnny, the biggest thing that you just have to do for that player who's super excited and like super excited to create stuff for your game is just rain them back. Just, you know, you got to rein them in a little bit, you know, and temper their expectations and try to don't crush their dreams. Yeah. Don't crush their dreams. You know, you a lot of times they have good ideas, but they got to, they got to not fit. shove everyone else aside to yeah. make room for that. They have to fit into what you're doing and how you're doing it. And remember, if you think you may be a Johnny, seek help. As soon as you meet someone, <laughs> We're saving that for that you're actually. not going to give them your whole backstory. Like, let it come out naturally. Don't force it out there. Yeah, it's true. You know, but that's just but, you know, know. this is not a column for new people, unfortunately. So, yep, um, probably will never see this. But it, just in case, just in case, just in case, case. just true. in case, I can help one person. Um, and that brings us to Spike. I should pre-warn this: Spike is not inherently a negative archetype. In one versus one games like Magic: The Gathering, Spike is a vital archetype for people to have. In fact, even in Cooperative games like Dungeons and Dragons, a spike can be useful if they're an experienced player to help all these other players still contribute while not, you know, dominating. Is they can help them saying that while an interesting option that is not going to do much for you. Here's something similar you could do instead because they tend to know the rules front and back. Yes. Well, that we're talking about a the new players, an ancient spike. Yes, a, the grognard spike. If yes. You will. Um, yeah, the ancient worm spike. No, the hatchling spike, though. The spike that has gone to the dark side because he saw force lightning <laughs> and wanted to do that. So that's that's my forewarning. Is I started off not as a spike, but sort of a spike Johnny hybrid when I was but a young lad. A blend. So. But regardless, let's dive in. Get your pipe wrenches ready. So when it comes to a spike. Um, and again, this is already somebody that you've identified as like showing these, um, traits. these traits. Not of, everyone fits into one mold. So. Yeah. Everybody can kind of sprinkle around a little bit to different stuff, but a spike definitely fits into the idea of they want their character to be the best. They, they want to win. They want to, yes, they want to win the game of D and D and it's not a game about winning. It's, you know, it's a road trip, but the spike has not gotten that message. They haven't figured it out yet. But you you're can't. sitting on the other side of the screen, so we must be against each other. Yeah. yeah. And so the spike will either come in with a shockingly well-prepared and uh, optimally put-together uh, character sheet. You know, despite it being their first time, they – It looks uh, like it was printed off from Giant in the Playground forums or something. Yeah, weird. Weird how that worked out. And they just changed a name um, using the point buy system. Yeah, no, everything's fine. Um, that's case number one. In the extreme break glass and grab pipe wrench, uh, they will show up with some wildly broken homebrew. And demand they get to play it. And they want to play it because spikes are the very first player to go, that's what my character would do. They, I should know the, the worst, the worst version of Spike, the like Spike, the that chaotic neutral Kender Rogue, yes, more Tiefling Rogue, but Kender's probably worse. Kender Rogue raised by Tieflings. <laughs> <laughs> so I should note that many Johnnies are probably also going to bring homebrew to you. That's because they found something they think think fits their character better than one of the uh, core options. Yes. 
you should at least look at that and consider it and you could possibly make adjustments for them. For a Johnny, yes. For a Spike, it's almost – It's because it's got something – look very carefully because there's something stupidly broken in here. That there's something very here. exploitable. The, I like how we're talking about yeah. Spike like it's a dangerous – like it's a velociraptor or something. Yeah. The Spike is just looking for a way to trick you. Yeah. They are. As a DM – yeah, no. She's looking to put one over you. As a DM, you're sitting there just like Muldoon in Jurassic Park. Clever girl, and then you get jumped by a raptor from the side. Yeah, an example of a spike Jake and I uh, played with <laughs> in Clint's game. Clint was so lucky he had us as players. Yeah, um, so this person found the Final Fantasy homebrew. He wanted to play a Moogle. He also wanted to play a Blue Wizard or Blue Mage, which, if you're not familiar with it, they take enemy abilities and use those. Yeah, um, and Clint consulted me about this, showed me both homebrews. It's old Clint. The Moogle's okay. The Blue Wizard, no way in hell. Don't let it happen. Don't do it. The Moogle, the Moogle's already was pretty strong. wasn't very inhuman strong, but it was, you know, it, it was it pretty was half much, elf or mountain dwarf strong. Yeah. Pretty much a uh, reskinned halfling with a uh, a little bit of telekinesis, natural flying ability, telekinesis abilities, um, a couple other neat little built-in powers. Um, so it was definitely annoying. But um, it's not stealing Tarask fucking magic carapace. Yeah. I, I'm immune to spells. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. No, you're good. I'll take over. These things. Point happen. is, this player who no, you know, we're gonna name him Tristan. Uh, Tristan, he can fight me in the parking lot. I don't care. Uh, so Tristan would play the Moogle and would intentionally uh, try to swerve and be vindictive and. He would always be mean to every uh, NPC, and it was not out of like a "this is what my character would do." It was just kind of a "this is the character." Like, is being a mean, vindictive jerk. Yes, I'm going to steal your stuff. I'm going to destroy gonna, your library. Yep, he's going to steal stuff. He's going to try. He tried to steal stuff from other characters, um, and would try to get one over on everybody. But luckily, uh, me and Nacho are adept at dealing with. That kind of that kind of shenanigans, and he was not that good of a player. Me using the forge cleric crafted what Jake and I called the kitty crate. In case he was being naughty. Oh yes, no, because Which, my my big old fighter grabbed that moogle and tasked his ass in the cat cage because you know. Let's let's and yeah, not we created his character. I don't know. I lingered too long. <laughs> it's on pretty funny. Animal cruelty. Well, it's not animal cruelty. It's sentient and it's stealing from people. It's a humanoid. We just so put it's a it. Is what you're saying? We just put it into a tiny little cat prison. And you told me you set it on fire. Uh, no, I metal? I heat metaled the uh, crate. So you're the brazen crate. bulling this moogle then. Yes. It learned him. That's two points towards evil for both of you. Well, well, to be fair. Good thing I was neutral. Yes. And second of all, the Kender is supposed to be a chaotic good to neutral good race, and he was clearly evil. So, Oh, everyone loves the Kender. How could you hate somebody who's a kleptomaniac jerk with no redeeming qualities? Yeah, no, I shifted from neutral good to to true neutral, true nooch. <laughs> um, regardless, dealing with that character. Uh, so, regardless, dealing with the spike. The spike is going to try to put one over you somehow. The question is when and how. When and how. And so, the best advice because they want to win. Yes, so. the best advice for dealing with them when they're coming up with a class: keep that leash short and keep it in the handbook. You can. You can give the Johnny some room to mess around, but you still want to probably make some edits for your game. Keep it in the player's handbook. Don't even give them the options of the Sword Coast Adventures Guide or whatever. I mean, you might give them Gloomstalker Ranger, but 
don't give them variants. I'd say I'd say Xanathar Ranger is fine. Too. I'd say Xanathar is fine. I'd say everything that's been published is fine. But the second they come at you with something from the D and D wiki. Or from the DMs Guild or GM's sort of. Binder or D, uh, DMs Guild. Because there's a lot of great and cool stuff out there, but just some of it hasn't been playtested. Yes. Sturgeon's it. Law is that 90, 90% of everything is absolute garbage. And so for yeah. all you know, they may have actually made one of those. Yeah. yeah. And they are trying to pull one over here. But look, I found this on the D&D <laughs> wiki. Oh, you made it. Yeah. So that's just classes. There's a lot when it goes on. Um, so let's get let's talk about role play really quick. How do we get a new player to role play. There's um, now I will say there is a bunch of great videos online already tackling this issue. Like every D and D YouTuber has covered this. So we're not going to do ad nauseum on this. Yes, but I, I will. I do have one thing I actually want to say, Okay, which is that a lot of new players, especially Tammy's or Jenny's are probably going to come to you with a character that is clearly a character from other media. Yeah. Like they're going to come to you with Batman or something. Let them do it. They want to do it. They'd enjoy it. They'll get it out of their system. Yeah. They'll have a good time. And as long as it's not ruining the fun for somebody else, what's the harm in it? Exactly. There's nothing new under the sun. There's no reason to just punish somebody for not being original. Yeah. They want to, you know, they want to play Batman. All right. Then how are we going to, you know, how are we going to integrate fantasy Batman? How are we going to make fantasy Batman? And how much money do you actually have, sir? Um, A hundred gold. I'm I'm poor. Sorry. (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs) That's a lie. Um, I've been playing this most instance. of my life, and I am currently playing fantasy Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure Jake picked up on. Oh, I did. But so when it comes to role play, um, just here's a couple of things that I picked up. Um, so a lot of Johnnies are typically, you know, because there's also that like the nine player types, you know, uh, that floats around that's in the DM's guide and a couple other places. Um we're talking about new players, though. So, yeah, so. we're talking about new players. Um, so, but Johnny's typically tend to be the more uh, acclimated to doing like the role playing and the acting. Sometimes they have trouble with it. Sometimes they don't. Um, again, Johnny's are just kind of encourage them, but also beware that you don't want them to be monopolizing the screen time. Yes, they can. Uh, as uh, when I was a brand new player, I was very guilty of that because people would b- get put on the spotlight and. They didn't know what to say. And me, being drunk and knowing exactly what I was ready to say, and I've been waiting for five minutes to say it, would say it. And <clears throat> it was a very formative time. It was a big learning process for all of us. Uh, yes. But at the end of the day, remember that you're playing with five different people. And while some of them might have a good time not having the spotlight for a bit, not having the spotlight for extended periods of time or having it taken away from you by somebody who's already done a lot can be frustrating. Yes. So just try to rein Do them not in. crush their dreams, but say, could you perhaps let a this good, person finish his sentence before a good, he starts speaking? A good metaphor for a Johnny is they are a bit like a very excited dog. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you know, like you're out for a Sorry, walk Jenny. and they want to stop and they want to smell everything and they want to run up to all the people and stuff. And sometimes you just have to remind them that, hey, we're on a walk. You got to keep that leash a little tight and you got to keep moving and, you know, and don't break their dreams. You know, sometimes let them sniff that tree. Let them definitely let them do their stuff. But you just, just don't let them reel them in completely dominate every scene. But Timmy's. On the other hand, um, Timmy's are the ones who almost always have a hard time uh, with that initial 
kind of role play because it can be a very uncomfortable thing. Don't put them on the spot. At the very least, give them some sort of opportunity to either escape the situation or have their character not do anything particularly important. Yes. Try not to put the weight of the spotlight spotlight just directly on them if it doesn't seem like they want it. Some players just want to sit there and kind of observe and have their character occasionally grunt or do something. They want to roll dice and they want to smack some heads in. Yep. Uh, That said – and I know I'm waffling pretty hard here, so bear with me. But you also need to at least give them the opportunity to yeah. take it if they want. No, just you know, present them you know a couple of times, and you'll be able to tell right away. Um, a few things that have really helped is honestly in the handbook and in Xanathar's and in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and everywhere you can find those extra little backgrounds and like those rollable tables. Those are amazing. I have found so many players. Um, a good example is. Uh, Actually, our guest producer from last episode, we did, Jesse. Um, Jesse has tried to play in several of my games, and Jesse's a fantastic, like, he's good with voices, and he's actually, like, a good actor when put on the spot, but he could never really, like, figure out getting in a character's headspace until one time I gave him a pre-made sheet for a one-shot, and it just had, you know, my character, you know, flaws, likes, dislikes, all that stuff, you know, and all the background information pre-rolled, and he just got it. Yeah. And I found with a lot of very new players, if you make them do that and kind of go through that step by step of, you know, this is what he's like, this is what he doesn't like, you know, and you can kind of take those roles and take those short little answers and expound, like expand upon it for a player. They can take that and they go, oh, I got it. That's, you know. And something that you should also try to encourage is that you're not trying to break as many molds here. Don't worry if something is cliche. And that's just general advice for Dungeons and Dragons yeah. in general. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things are popular because they're good. Yeah. So let the Tammy or Tammy speak when they feel they're ready and try to help them get into that headspace. Yeah. You know, and again, the like the this is your life thing uh, in the Xanathar's book is, you know, if someone's having a Trump, uh, problem with the backstory, I've used that a couple of times and it's actually made great stuff. Yeah. Because suddenly it's like you just take every role and you, you know, just keep working with what you're being given, you know, and you just sit down with a piece of paper. And, okay, well, all right. And we'll put this together and we'll put that together and stuff. And you come up with a backstory with them. And suddenly they're like, oh, wow, I understand that person so much better. Yeah. And then another thing that helps with the uh, Timmies and Tammies that it's something I've had troubles with. I've seen other people have troubles with it. It's make sure that you're playing in a comfortable spot. Because if someone's not feeling comfortable, if they think there are too many people there, they could get shy and have stage fright. Yeah. Uh, my first time playing on Roll20, I'm sitting in my room in front of my computer, and I've got my roommate sitting in there, and I'm sitting there like, this is really weird. Yeah. Yeah, because your roommate, uh, you Make know, sure obviously, on the same page. yeah, has never, yeah, seen you play D and D before. Yeah, and other times, hey, we're playing at a new house. Here's other people I don't know. <laughs> you don't want your first introduction to be you pretending to be an elf. Yeah. yeah. So, so sometimes people can get shy from situations like that. So if your Timmy or Tammy has an issue and you think they're just being shy, figure out if there's something you can do to make them feel more comfortable. Spikes rarely have problems with role play. Um, although usually it is very narcissistic, the Lord commander of mankind and, uh, you know, again, the worst of the worst spikes, it's usually very, uh, 
self-serving and uh the johnny and jenny sort of they, they take the spotlight because they have so much stuff they want to say yeah the spike takes the spotlight because they want to be the one in the spotlight yes and i know those sound redundant but you will know the difference when you yeah see no it. you'll be able to see it because you know the johnny just wants to get in the speech about you know Saving the their land. tragic and, backstory. You know, yeah, their tragic backstory and how they want to save the land and, you know, restore the proper king to the throne. And then the spike is going to be, no, I can be king. It's a dramatic I think way to you've put it talked too much. It's time for me to talk now. And yeah. that talk, uh, that amount of talking is any talking that does not directly involve them. Yes. Um, they are also, again, the ones who are going to be the most guilty of, well, my player would, you know. Yeah, my character would do this, so. Um so I talk would disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the next little bit, um, and that is problems that can traditionally be ran into with these, you know, these three just very general outlines of a player. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're actually going to start with the spike. Again, spike is not an inherently negative archetype as much as we talk down to it. The problem is that it just does not do very well in cooperative games. In in the very beginning, uh, that's the thing. The spike is going to have a difficult time understanding that, like, this is not a game that can be won. No one's really going to think you're a badass if because your character is the best character on the table. It's about everybody having fun. And they just have a hard time realizing that. A lot of spikes also come from athletic backgrounds um, or at least backgrounds where they're used to competing. Yeah. And so, you know, everything where there is – you know, because you win fights and lose fights in D and D. When there's something where there's a winning and a losing dynamic, they usually find themselves, you know, just wanting to win. And it, it eventually either spikes quit playing the game, or they eventually metastasize. Yeah, they realize that this is about everybody's fun, and they can turn into Johnnies or they turn into like rule rules lawyers. Um, Hopefully benevolent rules lawyers. But. Yeah. Um, you know, but for the most part, they once they kind of learn that the game is not just about them and it's about the social contract that all of us have that, hey, we are sitting down for three hours to pretend that we are other people, you know. And we're going to have a good time. And we're going to have a good time and it's not about who gets all their stuff in this week because if, you know, if a DM's doing their job right, you know, everyone is eventually going to get that shine. Yeah. Might not be every week. But everyone is going to have their moment. It will eventually happen. So with spikes, it's just again like we've been saying because they're you know the, they've got a very specific you know thing. Just keep them on a short leash. Leash. Talk to them. Engage in conversation with them. If you're DMing and it's your table and they're being obnoxious and being a dick, let them know. If they keep doing it, no matter who they are. Remember that you have absolute control and you can boot them. Yeah, you can boot them from the game. Don't do childish dumb shit like, you know, meteor falls and you die and everybody gains a level. Because even though that's funny for you, it's very frustrating and humiliating for them. Yeah. And they are the kind of person who doesn't like that kind of uh, humiliation. Talk to them. Talking don't work. Tell them don't come back next week. Maybe come back in a couple of weeks, you know, if you can think, you know, about, it, think about it, you know. And don't just ghost them. Make sure you actually communicate with them what Why the issues are. Figure – see if you could find some kind of middle ground. If they're a friend. If they're an acquaintance or whatever and they're just, you know, being a turd because um, I have seen, you know, a lot on like the 5e forums and stuff of like, 
yeah, my, uh, you know, I'm DMing and one of my good friends brought his friend and his friend is just like being a total chode at the table and I don't want to alienate my friend, you know. Then talk to both of them. That's all you can do is sit them both down and be like, he's being a chode. I need you to help me not have him be a chode because he's ruining everybody else's time and giving me a headache as a DM. I love how Remember Jake points at me. <laughs> Remember that at the end of the day, there's a bunch of other people at the table too have to put up with this. And just because you'd like to avoid alienating somebody you know doesn't mean that these people have to put up with it. Yeah. Again, it's a social contract we all enter. You know, it's our time, not just your time. Yeah. Just keep them on a short leash and, you know, talk. You have to have very open communication and then hopefully maybe you'll get through that this is about everybody here and not just about them. Some people, it's a bit more ingrained. Sometimes people can, you know, it's everybody can change. And yeah. always hope for the benevolent spike. Mm-hmm. But true change must come from within. Yes. Or something like that. So, Johnny and Jenny. Make sure they don't seize too much of the spotlight from the other players. Yep. That- Make sure their dreams don't get crushed by somebody getting frustrated with that. Allow them to have creative outlet, too, in the game. It might be helpful if you have the time to do solo sessions with them to help. Because these players are down AF for that. Like a Johnny or a Jenny is going to love when you can do like a backstory episode or a, you know, like a, hey, let's do this little side thing for your character. Um, You know, allow them to. You know, because a Johnny is like they, they're a person they've just fallen in love too hard with the game. They right think about this game when they're not playing. And that's normal for dungeon masters. It's also normal for more experienced players. It's not so normal for new players. Yeah, so. for a new player. And like they find it and they love it. And they're like they're thinking about stuff their characters can do all the time, you know, and they're thinking about next week's game and they're super excited. Reward that excitement and energy. Just make sure it doesn't come at the expense of other people's fun and time. Because a Johnny eventually like the. <laughs> The natural end evolution of a Johnny or a Jenny is level thirty six and with friendship uh, is to become a DM and start their own DMing tree. But and thus the cycle begins anew. Until then, uh, they're going to be very energetic, and until they eventually mature and realize, like you know, they like take a step back, you know, and they kind of, you know, they get a lot of their creativity out, and they take a step back, and they kind of calm down. They got to scratch that itch first. Yeah. What's going on in the comments section? Oh, Kent was just agreeing with our. Uh, he had a, a little addendum to our spike thing, and then you know, don't roast the spike in front of everybody. Talk yeah. to the spike privately. Yeah. You don't want to. Hu- again, you don't want to humiliate them. They are still people. So yes, even if they're being rude, they probably do not realize that they are being rude. Also, good to hear from you, Kent, friend of the show, Kent Bettner, everybody. Um, Hi, Kent. <clears throat> back to it. With a Johnny, again, they're like they'll eventually mature. They'll eventually calm down, you know, and all that passion and that energy of just finding a new thing that they really love is gonna, you know, cool a bit, cool off a bit. And you just got to deal with the passion. It's like having a overly friendly dog, as you mentioned. Yeah, you know, it's like just a dog who is overly energetic and overly excited. As they get older, they'll slow down and they'll be the best dog you've ever had. Yeah, they won't run and jump everywhere, but they'll still be right there, ready to go. Um, is it time for a walk? Is it time for a walk? But you, you know, they'll they'll calm down. Johnny will eventually calm down. You just have to feed that creative spirit, not let it die, not crush it, and just tell them no all the time. 
find ways to say yes, but work with them or instead, of course. But. Yeah, you know, but work with them. Just work with them as much as you can. Timmy's, Timmy's are very moldable. They're moldable, moldable, but also too, they're because they're the, the social least player, likely to. Not mature, but sort of develop further, I guess, is they're not really here for the game. They're here for their friends. Yeah. They're here for the, oh, yeah, no, I, I've always wanted to play D&D and, you know, uh, y'all are my friends, so let me play. These are the people who they, they might do a campaign. They might do two campaigns. But eventually they will, you know, want to move on and go do other things, which is fine. Enjoy the times you have. Enjoy the times you have. And the best way to keep, you know. I mean, they may eventually change into a regular player who's there mostly for the social dynamics. But, you know. In that case, you sort of clarify them more as a kind of Johnny ultimately. Yeah, so. they, they could evolve into a Johnny. They could evolve into a Spike. Which and is then terrifying. In which case, you ask yourself what you did wrong. Yeah, no. How, did, weeping, you, how did you Obi-Wan this? Or? How did you Obi-Wan this into the dirt? Um, they could also somehow evolve into the social DM that just plays really rules light. Which is fine. I mean, yeah. again, running Fate or Spirit of the Century or something is perfectly acceptable. So so there are many paths that your Timmy your or Timmy, Timmy can, take. can but take. The thing that you really want to you know work on with your Timmy um, is you need to keep them engaged. Yes. Engagement for a Timmy is key because they're Do not there. keep them too far from the spotlight. Do not put them on the spot. But make sure their character is make, always there. Make sure they're on the stage at all times. They just don't have to sing the solo. Yeah. And here's why. It, they're most very social players are going to sit there and they are going to listen to the game. They're going to enjoy the game. But as less and less happens for them to really engage in, that's when the phones come out. That's when they start talking to another player who's, um, you know, who they're friends with sitting there at the table who also has nothing going on. Sometimes when it gets really bad, like the magic cards come out or, <laughs> you know, other things like that, like stuff that distracts from the game. Because ultimately, you know, if you're doing your job right as a DM, everyone is immersed. Everyone's in the headspace until you go. And that's where session ends. That's the dream. Though. That's that's the idea. That's that's what you need to strive for every week. So try to keep them engaged. Ask them questions constantly. Um, you know, at least you know what's your character doing. Um, if it's in individual scenes, try to keep them short and sweet, or <laughs> really just try to be so damn entertaining that they don't have time to pick up the phones. I better have them be in the popcorn studio because uh, the second the second a player pulls out their phone, like I have a pretty, I, w- I would call it not strict, but a very like just you know. I'm that cool high school teacher, you know. Hey, just make sure it's not dominating. You know, no phones, guys. Please, no phones. Um, but you know, the second like a phone comes out or someone's like attention is drifting or wandering or you know, you gotta you gotta find ways to get them back engaged. Sometimes you gotta sh- switch the scene, you know, to over to them. And then owl bear ninjas burst into the room. Or what's the uh, the disco ninjas? Oh, jeez, I can't remember. It's uh, what was it? Jeez, well, now I'm blanking. You put me on the spot. Thank, thanks for uh, train wrecking us. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, point is, just you have to keep them engaged. And I guess let's do uh, just a final little closing bit here on um, last things you want, really want to expect out of your new players and any other bits of advice we didn't get to for helping new players. 
make sure at the very least that they understand the core mechanics and if necessary, suggest them they write up like a note card with the most rolled numbers like and the dice. So if they say uh, – if they have to look up every time what their perception roll is, suggest that you write like this is the bonus you get to your perception just written down. Yeah. That's on the mechanic line of things though. Yeah, that's a mechanic thing. Not oh, anything for oh, – And one of the thing. Oh, oh, yes. Sorry to interrupt. If you're going to introduce a new player, make sure you don't introduce them in the middle of a longstanding campaign. If they're your couple sessions in, it's fine. But I'd say any more than five or six sessions and you're better off introducing them in a new campaign instead because there's too much stuff they have to catch up on. I will hit you with um, just like a, a slight tweak to that. Um, if you think of your campaign as an arcs, there are definitely like safe periods to introduce new players. But I will definitely agree with Paul in the if this game group has been together for over like if this very campaign has been going on for like over a year, don't don't bring someone new in because it's, then it's like uh, do I do I need a do I need a wiki to understand all these people? Yeah, or? you know it's you gotta it it makes things really hard and there's a bajillion callback characters you know that like the players will know but new person won't know and they're gonna feel really. Awkward and it breaks, yeah, and it breaks up everything. I know when I joined in on your game, it took me a little bit to get up to speed. Yeah, but but you also came in like like, right as a at a campaign changer. No, I I came in there between arcs. Yeah, but so that's all I wanted to say. Uh, My advice for when you have new players, like Paul said, have them write stuff down. Uh, When I was learning how to play, it was here. Have a notepad. Write down your health, your spells, what they do, your different items you pick up, and keep notes of other random stuff that may be useful. Encourage note-taking. It's a good choice. Yeah, so they don't have to sit there, flip through the book to find out what their spells do. It's right there written down for them. Yeah. So always keep a notepad handy, some extra scrap paper, something to write with. A bunch of pencils. Oh, yes. A bunch of pencils. You want to be the best DM ever? Go out and buy, you know, like a eighty pack of mechanical pencils. <laughs> that, that's my big advice. Uh, I think for me, it's you know, obviously, because again, like these three archetypes are so general. And we could actually probably talk about this for another two hours just to nail down like very specific finite things, but we ain't got that time. So, um, you know, in closing, for me, it's when you got a brand new player, you know, who's a Timmy. Just again, focus on letting them have fun, give them cool spotlight moments because they're not necessarily going to endeavor to create them for themselves. Yeah. So just give a Timmy like something cool to do. Like if you got, you got a villain at 20 HP in a fight and let him kill him. And Timmy has like, Timmy does an, a, an attack that's 13 damage. Let Timmy get the kill. Yeah. Cause everybody else is shining at role play and doing other stuff. So let Timmy have the moment, you know, just drop that extra seven HP and, you know, let the player who doesn't engage that much have a moment and it will encourage engagement. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to more the Johnny players, just one last time for everybody in the back, just deal with the energy, deal with the creativity. Let let it harness it, but harness don't it, control it, crush it. Do not break their spirit. I'm like a peacock. You gotta let me fly. <laughs> <laughs> I've well, I've seen so many like players. You know, I've I've read because I may not comment on your forum post, but I am always there. Reading from the shadows. And I've seen so many people. Simba. Simba. I've seen so many people have their passion be broken for this game. Like, I'm new and my DM's a dick. And it's like, and I'm coming up with this idea and my DM's a dick. And that that sucks because 
ego is the talent killer, but I've been told by a lot of people that I'm pretty good at DMing. And I can't DM for everybody. And I want everybody to play this game and have a really good time. But I only have my asshole friends. So, you know, it's it, it sucks to see, you know, people who clearly have a newfound passion and love for the game just kind of get shit on a little bit. So if you're a DM and you've got that overly energetic puppy of a player who, like, has the player's handbook and just wants to do so much cool stuff, start teaching them how to DM. Yes, Find but. a way to, you know, yes, but. Harness that energy. Work with them. Let them come up with cities. You know, like, you want it, You want a Johnny to go above and beyond? Just be like, yeah, flesh out this city for me in somewhere in my campaign setting. Holy Christmas, you'll get 12 pages of backstory and, like, they'll just, bleh, they'll just word explosion all over you with, like, creative energy. Surprise. Now go find five people and run this game. Yeah. And then for the spike... Um, and keep a pipe wrench handy. <laughs> a, always have a a blunt always, instrument with an arm's reach. Yeah, always have a. Uh, now I was going to quote Mattis. Um, be polite, be courteous, and have a plan to kill them at all times. Um, also, though, and this actually is physical violence at the table is not condoned by the Three DMs podcast, such as threatening thirteen-year-olds over uh, naming issues. Yes, but parking lot. Actually, no, this isn't really going to pertain to the spike. This is actually going to be just uh, kind of a more in general for everybody um, as a last bit of advice is when players get angry because new players are bound to get frustrated by something that happens in the game at some point. Make sure you talk to them. Yeah, don't let them just have an open dialogue like a Timmy might get frustrated because they feel, you know, if they're playing wizard and they're having a hard time playing wizard, they're not keeping up. Talk to them. Figure out a way to make it work for them. Spike's being a dick. Talk to them. If Johnny doesn't feel he's getting his stuff in, talk to them. Talking to people like adults solves so many problems. Yeah, just sit down and have a correlation. And as the DM, it is your job to make everything work. You are the chef. You are, you know, you are the leader. It's it's your table. It's your rules. And a lot of DMs just take the low road and just go my way or the highway. No, work with it. You got a you got a new player who wants to play a ranger and he wants to play beastmaster even though beastmaster from the player's handbook is fucking terrible but this That's guy has his heart set on playing beastmaster work with it make it effective find ways to buff him find ways to make it better though if you get really lucky you could have an experience like I did running a game where I had one Timmy five Johnnies and a, and a, a good spike no clue how I pulled that off for all new players, but they all had fun. They laughed. I murdered one of the Johnnies. They all laughed about it. The toaster then, laughed or shot the toaster. Yeah, that, then our spike made a stupid mistake, and then everybody made fun of him instead of uh, the guy that just got killed. Yeah. But it, it comes down to ultimately you are the person. You are the DM. You are in charge. And it's your job to – you know, if they're going to not play optimally or they're going to have too much energy or they're going to be a dick, control it, harness it, work it for your table. I think that's all of our time for today. I think, yeah, I think that's all we got. I'll do our ad read next week. <laughs> I, oh. No, I uh, I looked at the ad read. Uh, they want a lot. 
Uh, there's uh, it's not just a script. There's a, a there's a lingo to break down. But I'm rambling on our airtime. Oh, so we're not prepared for that. We're not. I was not ready. We're I, not ready to sell out. I, I was not yet. ready to sell out this week. But don't worry. Next week. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're gonna figure out what we're gonna talk about next week because we don't really know. Probably gonna talk about the Eberron book because we bought it. We just ran out of time. We talked about this all day. So uh, till next time. I'm Jake. I'm Nacho. I'm Paul. And uh, everybody, press F to pay respects to Nacho's truck.